Thank you, Daniel. Okay, if you would open to chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, we are now uh, in the uh, second half of the study, give or take, and uh, we will rapidly approach September. How that happened, I don't know, uh, but we'll wrap up our study over the next uh, five or six weeks. Last week, we talked briefly about Absalom's uh, frustration and plan and his deceit. Uh, And that's kind of where we left off. When I say his deceit, particularly there in verses 3 and 4, what was his argument? Uh, What was his, I guess, lie, uh, if you want to call it out for what it is? No no one can give you justice. The king can't do it. My my father is ill-equipped. I'm the one that you need to come to for all of your problems, and I'll be your savior. I'll be your deliverer. I'll be your king. And uh, he has some success with that, uh, getting people to his side, which is what the battle about the battle that ends up ensuing is what we're going to talk about tonight. So, what does David do? Uh, init- what does he do soon thereafter? I think I heard someone say he he left. Right, he escaped. He flees the city and heads out. Um, Let's go to verse 19, and I want to talk about uh, Ittai, or Ittai. Uh, This is one of those weeks where I was thinking about this today. There are so many different names with hard pronunciations. I thought about maybe calling in sick and having someone else teach the class tonight, but I didn't. So we're just going to go with uh, whatever we can come up with here. But I want to talk about this character for a second, Uh, what, what do I mean by his loyalty to David? Give me, give me an example of his loyalty in, in one of those three or four verses. He refuses to leave the king. Right. He says, I'm, I'm going to stick by your side. I'm not leaving your side. I will be by your side. Verse 21 kind of is the, um, kind of the uh, key verse. As the Lord lives... And as my Lord, and the first Lord there in my Bible is capitalized because that's Jehovah. And and as my Lord, little L, the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord, the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. I am not leaving your side. So that's incredible loyalty. And so I appreciate Daniel leading us in prayer tonight, referencing the characters that we learn from and the things that we learn from them, uh, including the small characters, including... Uh, the little guys, right? As going back to Caleb's sermon six months ago. See, I remember what Caleb preached six months ago. Even I was paying attention. Uh, okay. All right. Note, if you would, David's trust in the Lord, particularly, uh, go down to verse 24, uh, the, 25. The king said to Zadok, and who was Zadok? Or Zadok? He was a priest, right? He says, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both in his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to me. He says, I'm here to do whatever the Lord wants. And it's a very kind of almost Jobesque statement uh, that the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Who am I to accept the good that comes from the Lord and not accept the fact that sometimes difficult things come in this life as well. 32 the very first part says, David had come to the top of the mountain. What did he do? Comma, where he, where he worshiped. 
Okay, so that's, that's the character of David. And then, uh, this is where we ended up. We have news about Ahithophel. That's, that's, that's the pronunciation. I've been practicing that all day. Yes? Did I get it wrong? David very possibly could have prayed in the okay. same place as Jesus did. That's because uh, where was he? He was in the Olives area, right? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting that you, you may have, uh, and that's, that's, I, I skipped over that part because he goes, he escapes to the, to the mountain, may have been praying, for those you didn't hear, in the very place that Jesus would have prayed a thousand years, give or take later. Kind of, really kind of a cool thing to think about, right? All right. Um, and the news comes about Ahithophel. What was the news? He's a traitor, right? Uh, he's, someone told David, he says, he is among the conspirators. This would have been distressing. This would have been disappointing. This would have been sad because uh, this was an, an individual who um, David probably would have counted as close to him. And bonus points to anyone except one person who, with whom I communicated about this today. <laughs> and I appreciate that very much. Uh, Ahithophel may very well be a relative of whom? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Probably a, a grandfather is, is my understanding. If you, if you go back to chapter 13 and unwind some verses, and we're not going to take the time to do that. So. And I had, I had seen that, but someone brought that to my attention today, and I appreciate that. It's kind of neat to get texts throughout the week, people saying, I was thinking about this or whatever. That was, that's good. That's a good. That's a good sign. Okay. Uh, anything else on chapter 15? Or 14, yes, Brother Bruce here, uh, David. And then uh, while uh, we're getting ready for him, I'll go ahead and put up my lessons learned slide. Yes, Brother Bruce. Well, that news about Ahithophel uh, certainly must have been a test of David's faith in the midst Mm -hmm. of all this as well because uh, his son is now rebelling against him and taking over the kingdom. And now he's taken one of the most, uh, one of the closest confidants Mm -hmm. of David, in fact, uh, he and David had gone up to the temple together. Uh, he had provided great counsel uh, for David, and, and David probably uh, took his word uh, to the bank each time he spoke it. But now mm-hmm. he too is deserting, and David's finding himself uh, alone facing the uh, acts of his children mm-hmm. and now uh, his, his own counsel. Right, good point. Uh, alone, I, brother uh, Brian here. Alone, isolated, uh, boxed in, maybe. Brother Brian, just think it's admirable going back to the ark that uh, David avoids the mistake that the children of Israel had committed so many times before in treating it like a good luck charm mm-hmm. that to take with them when they went out to their battles, and he recognizes that. The ark's true place is there. That is God's dwelling place. It doesn't need to come with him like some kind of a talisman. Absolutely. Very good. Great point. All right. A lot of lessons that we've learned in in chapters 13, 14, and 15, but let me just kind of highlight them in, in 60 seconds or less. Number one, God always remembers his promises even when they're, and I put negative in quotes, uh, because sometimes there are punishments or consequences that come as a result of our sins. And we're seeing that now develop, and we're going to see it continue to develop in our lesson tonight. Secondly, when we remove God from our lives, uh, we'll do all sorts of evil things. You think about a person's life that has just fallen apart, and usually it starts spiritually falling apart, and maybe otherwise. 
uh, and it starts with one step away from the truth and another step away from the truth and I get further from the church and further from my brethren and further from study and then all these bad things start happening or, or develop. And then no matter what, trust in the Lord matters even in tough or tight situations, even when you feel isolated or alone, which is the character of David here. All right, let's go ahead here. Uh, and get into chapters 16, 17, and 18. Um, and we're going to try. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, we're going to try to cover all that tonight. I think we'll be able to, to do that. Uh, starts with David uh, continuing his exit or continuing his trip uh, past the top of the mountain. And... He comes and he finds Ziba. And what does Ziba present him with or approach him with or introduce him to? Or how, how are we introduced to Ziba or Ziba? Okay, all these donkeys. And what's on the donkeys? Bread and, and other things that are necessary for sustenance. And so we learn about the character of Ziba here compared to that of Mephibosheth. So you have a lot of these contrasts, compare and contrast in these characters, in these so-called minor characters in the narrative of the life of, of, of David. And, in it, and incidentally, I, I think I shared this message with someone I was studying with, but I'm not sure I shared it with everyone else. This is a classic text, even for those that are non-religious people. I took a, a course uh, my sophomore year at a non uh, well, let's just say not so conservative uh, environment. Uh, Phil knows where I, where I was, and, uh, and but I mean, it, it, in a liberal arts tradition, and we read Second Samuel as an historical text, which I thought was really interesting. And by the way, we read it without verses and chapters. And those of you that read without chapters and verses in one of your study Bibles, one of your other Bibles, you realize sometimes that's kind of fun to do that because you, you, you don't get caught up in, I'm done with the chapter. You just read the whole narrative. And this just reads beautifully, even though it's some ugly stuff. But my point being is that even the world that is not religious, even if they don't believe in these things, they find this to be a very fascinating text because, it, because what they don't want to admit uh, really going back to David's sermon two weeks ago is that this is an authentic book and it, and it is filled with all kinds of great lessons for us. Okay, um, let's read beginning in verse five. Uh, how do we pronounce that one's name? Uh, well, I'm sorry, not the place, but the person. Shemai? So I, okay, I get two votes for Shemai? We'll go with Shemai. David's going to be a resident expert tonight. David and I will read in his studies, and his pronunciations are wonderful. I, I love David's pronunciations. That's not the only thing I love about him, but I do love his pronunciations. But let's go with Shemai. Uh, let's talk about this character uh, and his character. What, what's he like? He's a cursor, right? Yeah. In fact, in my Bible, uh, I have little, little subheadings like some, some of you have that have been inserted for this paragraph or for this section. It talks about uh, Shammai cursing David. Uh, he says, uh, he came out cursing continuously as he came and he threw stones. I mean, this guy is a bully. This guy is mean. 
And in verse 6, he threw stones. Well, uh, uh, Mitch here in the front, David. Uh, he threw, threw stones at David and all his servants of the king David. All the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and left. And he says, come out, come out, you who bloodthirsty man, you rogue. I mean, this guy is, he's not nice. Brother Mitch. It's because he's a servant of Saul. He's from the family of Saul. So he's, back to verse he's a man five, right? of Saul yes. who's seeing his chance to take it out on David. Right. Very good point. That goes back to verse 5, which I just kind of skipped over. That's a good point. So there's still link, and we talked about this two weeks ago. Alan made a comment, maybe three weeks ago now it was, that there's still lingering divisions among the people. Uh, you know, we just recently talked about 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I am of Cephas. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Here you got, I'm of Saul. Now I'm of Absalom, or I'm of David. Who, 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 which team are you on? And that really kind of develops as the story uh, continues here. How does David react to uh, this rock-throwing, dirt-throwing, cursing, bullying? Say again? Yeah, let him be. I mean, and I, was, I was reading this today, and I've, I've read this before, but I was like, I wonder how David's going to react to this. And uh, you get down to verse uh, 9 of the text, and it says, surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some... Wait a minute, I'm in the wrong chapter. That would help if I go to the right place here. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? But the king says, what have I to do with you, the sons of Zariah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? What do we learn about David here? I, I talked about his reaction. We use the word character now three times. Alan, right, uh, Alan here, uh, David, uh, on your uh, right. I mean, we've talked, we use the word character now half a dozen times. What do we learn about his character? Well, I think this is our newest periodic messianic image here that mm-hmm. we see David pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is going to be escorted out of the city, the, the anointed of God, and in a very similar fashion, people screaming at him and cursing at him. And he's not going to say anything about it. He's just going to go out to where he's being led to. And so I think David saying this is from the Lord and he'll, he will repay me. He will mm-hmm. make this right ultimately. And Jesus, Very of course, good. having that same mindset that he was going to follow the Father's will and that the Father would, would deal with this in time. Excellent. That's a great observation. Other thoughts? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Quoted in Romans chapter 12, right? Okay, very good. All right, just bonus points tonight for whoever said that. Okay, I want to go down to verse 15, and I want to read uh, verses 15 down through most of the end of the chapter here, where we have uh, another character, Hushai. Hushai? Hushai? We're going to go with Hushai. I told you, I was about ready to just call it quits tonight and say someone else is teaching tonight. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't that frustrated. No, I'm kidding. But, um, and Ahithophel. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, this is verse 15 of chapter 16, uh, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? What's he saying there, by the way? I think he's testing him, right? He's like, wait a minute. 
which king are you talking about? I know you're referencing me as the king. You're trying to uh, portray me as the king. But is this how you treat David, who was your friend, as he was introduced in the previous verse, right? Verse 18, no, but, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. Absalom said, give advice as to what we should do. We'll come back to verse 20. Verse 20 is one of my favorite verses in the text for a reason that you may, depending on how you read verse 20. Pretend we didn't read verse 20. Go back to verses 19 and and previously. What's going on here? In, in, In so many words. Pretense, right? Yeah. There's a lot of uh, fake, uh, you are wonderful, Absalom. You are great. Is that what you were kind of meaning by that, Miss Diana? Okay, good. I'll make sure I understood you correctly. Yeah, and, um, and if you're Absalom, how will you generally, if, you're, if you've got the character of Absalom, as we know what we know about Absalom, how's he going to react to this? Okay, and he, what would you say, John? Yeah, he's, he's going to be reluctant to believe it. I like what, Sher, what Ms. Sherry says, but yeah, he's, he's liking this. Yes, trust is being built between these characters. Verse 20 struck me, uh, and just depending on the version you're reading, the New King James says, give me advice as what we should do. A more literal translation that I came across, or kind of a paraphrase, I was just reading a something is, what do I do? <laughs> and I just thought that was interesting. Here is Absalom, and he turns to Ahithophel, who, as um, Bruce talked about a little while ago, would have been a trusted counselor and advisor to David in times past. And he says, what do I do now? I, and it depends on how you, how you read it, I know, but I just thought it was kind of, it just struck me as a little bit interesting. What do I do? He says, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. And all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. The hands of all who are with you will be strong. They pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Reactions. Twisted is is a good word. Uh, I had a lot of... Uh, words come to my mind like uh, recklessness, uh, sin <laughs> comes to mind. But this is, this is messed up. This is not the, not the way things are supposed to be. Did we know this was coming in so many words? Yeah, right? Going back two weeks ago, remember when uh, David was told in chapter 12 Bad things, and, and, and paraphrase, bad things are going to happen. And we listed four big bad things that were going to happen. The one that we almost always focus on, and, and not, that it was, uh, not that it's bad to focus on this, is the death of the child. Because that would have been, that would have been horrible. Uh, but the other three involved the open laying with the wives, or the concubines, with just this abuse and just ugliness on display for everyone to see. Um, 
Anything else on chapter 16? And we're going, as we always do, rather quickly through the text. Anything else that I've, I've missed that you wanted to really bring out? Appreciate the comments so far. Brother Bruce here. And then um, we're going to go ahead and develop chapter 17 here in just a moment. I like what's said about Ahithophel. As, as I was saying, his trust is, is uh, even ex- expounded upon in, in verse 23. It says, mm-hmm. uh, the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was if a man had inquired at the oracles of God. It was as good as God's mm-hmm. word had been uh, to David. That's something that I, I hope that I can do when, when I uh, preach or when I teach or, right. or whatever. We should all have that. It was uh, as the oracles of God. Yeah. Was he, um, was he sharing God's oracles? Okay, I, that's a pretty easy question, right? No. I like the application you made. Kind of goes back to our conversation that we had at the outset of services right before services started. And that is just because someone says something that sounds good or even right, what are we supposed to do with it? Test it out. Search it for ourselves. Just because the, and and Bruce and I were having a discussion about someone having a lot of faith in their pastor. I mean, a lot of trust. Uh, and I'm using the word pastor in a very worldly sense of, of the, the, the preacher of the, of the church. And we were having this discussion a few nights ago, a few of us, um, three, three or four days ago, that the world puts a lot of stock in their religious leaders. And when we approach them with, well, this is what the scriptures say. Well, this is what my pastor says. And they will almost always come back with that. And that's a very dangerous thing when we just kind of have a blind allegiance to a man who can say things that sound good, beware even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, right? So we've got to be careful with that. Okay, let's go ahead to chapter 17 and continue with Ahithophel. He says to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men. I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak, make him afraid. I will bring back all the people to you and all return except the man whom you seek and the people are at peace and the saying pleased Absalom and the elders of Israel. So he has a plan to exterminate David. He will pursue David. But Absalom says, I want one more thing. What's he want? He wants a second opinion. And there, we could probably talk about this for a good 30 minutes as to why he wants the second opinion. We can talk about it for maybe a minute or so. But Absalom seeks advice from Hushai. He says, call Hushai. Let's hear what he has to say as well. Uh, and what was Hushai's Response. What was his counsel in response to Ahithophel's advice? Okay, not good. Let's hit pause for a second, right? Let's wait just a second here. Uh, and I think the way I 
I put it here. His advice was to wait and assemble a much larger fighting force. Go down to uh, verse 7. The advice that Ahithophel has given is not good, which is what Ms. Sherry pointed out just a second or so ago. Um, Verse 9, surely by now he is hidden in some pit. It'll be that when some of them are overthrown at first, that whoever hears it will say there's a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Uh, Therefore, verse 11, this is where we get into his advice, his counsel. All Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba. By the way, we see that phrase repeatedly in the Old Testament, from Dan to Beersheba. What does that mean? From north to south. It would be like us saying coast to coast, east to west, north to south. Let's get everybody involved. Let's not just get a few select men. Let's get everyone on the same page and on the same team. Let's have a, a real fighting force here. All right, so from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is in the sea for a multitude and, uh, and that you go to the battle in person, so we will come upon him in some place where he may be found and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and of all the men who are with him, there will not be left so much as one. So um, does this say anything about Absalom? Does this teach us anything about Absalom, the fact that he hears from Ahithophel? He says, I want to hear from Hushai. I, I don't know that, I, that I'm going anywhere with this question, but it, it just ponders me, Mr. Sam here. just kind of struck me. It, it sounds like now, I don't know how old the, the difference in age between Ahithophel and Hushai, but it almost sounds like he's making the same mistake that Rehoboam makes mm-hmm. when he says, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Then he goes to the other crew. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? And now he's got to decide. Oh, right. well, maybe, maybe the young right. up-and-coming people have a little bit more smarts than the older guys. Right. He made a mistake. This is God's will. Absolutely. But he did make that mistake again. That's a good, so. good comparison. I thought about that. Uh, Brother John? John? I think Hushai knew... Absalom pretty well because mm-hmm. at the beginning he said, you know, long live the king, long live. The, what was he doing? Appealing to his pride. Mm-hmm. Now, what did Ahithophel want to do? He wanted to take 12,000 men himself mm-hmm. and go defeat David. So, what does Hushai say? No, you wait till you get, and you go personally there. What verse was it? Verse 12. Yeah. Verse 11 or 12. And so, you're going to get all the glory there then, see? So, he's appealing to his pride again. That's a good word to use. Mitch, did you have something? Um, the, you can tell from when Hushai starts that when his comments to Absalom, mm-hmm. he says, long live the king. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily acknowledge Absalom should be that king. Okay. He says, uh, the Lord, uh, you know, the Lord chooses the king, the people choose the king, but he doesn't necessarily acknowledge that Absalom is that one. Okay. And then you have him uh, basically filling David in on the plan. I think Hushai is really a plant in okay. all of this. Very well um, be. And I think him suggesting, oh, Absalom, you got to go yourself, is a way to bring Absalom into a place where you can take out the one who's trying to usurp the throne. There you go. Good. And that actually is a good segue into the, the second half of chapter 17, which is where we're going to go. Uh, which starts out with saying, Then Hushai said to Zadok and, Abath- and Abiathar, the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, 
And thus and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly and tell who? Tell David. Give him heads up, right? Give him information. Uh, so let's see. I want to make sure I'm on my screen here. Uh, so he gives warning to Zadok and Abiathar, who Shai does here. Uh, Jonathan and Ahimez. Yeah, Brother John here. We'll get to them here in a second here. Digress just a little bit. Sure. So we, so we asked the question, why would Absalom believe Hushai instead of Ahithophel mm-hmm. since the last verse in chapter 16 said people thought when he spoke it was like God speaking. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is in verse 14. Correct. Of chapter 17. Because it was the Lord ordaining these things. Yeah, very that's good. why it happened. No, and that's not digression. That's going back and picking up a verse that I should have probably highlighted a second or so ago. So very, very good. Very good. Okay, here. Uh, let's go down and read in about verse... Uh, let's read 17 through 22 real quickly here. I think we've got time to get through there. Jonathan and Hamias stated in Rogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw them, told Absalom, but both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Bahurim, uh, who had a well in his court, and they went down into it. The woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth, spread ground, uh, spread ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came, and they said, where are those two men? The woman says, they've gone over the water brook. And they searched, couldn't find them, and returned to Jerusalem. In my mind, they said, oh, can't find them. Moving on. Um, let's see if your mind goes to the same place that my mind goes. Where did it go? Very good. Okay, so we're not, okay. So we have these, we have these accounts elsewhere in the Old Testament, uh, this time in the book of Joshua. When you think about, that sounds like a Rahab kind of story, hiding the spies kind of stuff. Just, uh, I just like to know that I'm not co- totally uh, crazy. Uh, verse 21, now it came to pass that they departed. They came up out of the well and went and told King David and said, David, arise and cross over the water quickly for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Um, so that's, that's good news. David is getting away from a potential danger and this is uh, a, we've used the word sordid, disappointing, frustrating, twisted. We've used a lot of different adjectives to describe what's going on here. How does uh, Ahithophel react to this? Not, not very well, right? He goes and he kills himself. So when someone asks me for advice and they don't take my advice, usually I say, eh, maybe they know better than me. I don't go out and... Call it quits. So, but he did. Um, thoughts on that or anything else in chapter 17? Because we're going to go into chapter 18 for our final few moments here. Miss Diana over here. He knew he was right. He knew he was right. He knew he was right, and this was the end. Okay, yeah. So Ahithophel is, um, he may not be the, the nicest guy, but he's not dumb, if I can use that word. Can I use that word? I just did. Um, the only reason I say that, I used the word S-T-U-P-I-D in a sermon like 12 years ago, and I had some parents come up to me, and they were mad at me. 
And then I, and then, and now this is back when I was very, very young. So I'm like, I'm sorry. It's in the Bible. So I can use the word S-T-U-P-I-D. I don't know. It's, 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 that's okay. Moving on. All right. Let's spend our last uh, 10 minutes in chapter 18 um, of the text. Chapter 18, I may have mentioned this um, a few weeks ago, is a chapter that always, as a, as a child, bothered me. It scared me. That image of a, well, we'll get, we'll get to it. In case you haven't read it yet or in case you've forgotten what chapter 18 is about, I don't want to give it away yet. Okay, um, so chapter 18 starts in the first four or five verses with David doing what? Yeah, he's getting his forces ready. He's preparing them. I think I used the word organizes his armies and sends them to fight. Um, he set captains over thousands and captains over hundreds. Uh, he was prepared to go with them, right? And his advisors or the people closest to him said, what? No, we don't want that happening. Verse 3, for if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. So this was not appealing to his pride, going back to uh, Absalom and Ahithophel and those guys in the previous chapter. This is them being honest and saying, if, if, if they kill 50 of us, they don't care. They're still going to be after you. They want you. So we want to protect you and keep you safe as, as much as possible. Um, how do the soldiers do in their fight? David wins, all right? So if you haven't read that yet, verses 6 through 8, the soldiers of David are quite successful. Uh, Verse 7 of the text says, The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. The battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside. And then someone help me with verse 8. And sometimes when I say help me, it's it's a learning exercise. Sometimes it's because I don't know. Kind of a mixture of two right now. I think I know. But verse 8 uh, more people were devoured that day by the woods than by the sword. What's that mean? Ground. Yeah, this, we're told this is a very wooded area, dense. Uh, we're going to see someone get themselves in trouble with those trees, right? Uh, he may not be the only one with really six pounds of hair, um, but... It's, it's a very treacherous area. And when you're running as fast as you can, uh, tripping and falling, and there's pits and there's caves and there's boulders and there's rocks and all kinds of just ugly stuff happening here, uh, it's the kind of place that we would tread very lightly and very carefully, and these people are fleeing uh, for their lives. Or it's God. Very, very good. And I, I'm glad that Sam brought that up. Or it's God's plan and God's providence, and God defeating. God can defeat people with the sword, and he can defeat them with the woods. He can do whatever he wants. All right. And then Absalom does what? Gets his hair caught in uh, what kind of a tree? An oak tree. This is what always scared me, was uh, just the, the image of a man hanging there. I just, I just, it bothered me as a child. And it still kind of does bother me a little bit. 
Let's read some of the text here uh, and, and pretend you haven't read it before. We've got six minutes here. I think we've got time to run through a couple things here. Uh, Absalom met the servants of David. This is verse nine. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick, uh, thick of a great terebinth tree or oak tree. The head and his head got caught. We know that his hair was very long in the previous study that we were in last week or the week before. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth. I thought that was just just an interesting way of putting it. Between heaven and earth, he's hanging there. And I just wonder what's going through his mind. And I don't mean mean that kind of flippantly or jokingly. I I mean that seriously. It's like, is this what life has brought me to? I wonder if at some point he thinks about his choices. And he thinks about regret. And he thinks about, maybe I shouldn't have acted the way that I did. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his mind here. It says, the mule which was under him went on, and a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. Joab responds by saying what in short? Why, what, what do you mean you saw him? You had the perfect opportunity to, to kill him. And he says, I'm not going to do so because of why? Yeah, it's, it's David's son. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I can't do it. Yeah, verse, verse 5, right? King had commanded Joab, Abishai, Ittai, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And, all the people, all, and, and then all the people heard when the king gave all the captain orders concerning Absalom. I think verse five is there, as John points out, to help us understand that the one who ultimately, the, the ones, plural, who ultimately do take Absalom down and kill him, they would have known this. It, it wasn't like, we never heard this. They knew what was the king's wishes, deal gently with him. So that's not a, not a surprise. That's a good point. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so Joab says in verse 14, in the New King James Version, uh, I cannot linger with you. It might have a strikingly different version. I, I, I came across that somewhere. I will not waste my time with you. <laughs> okay? And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the tree. And then ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. So we talk about not so much fun ways of going That'd be one of them on my list. Right. Uh, Joab does what? He blows the trumpet saying, we've won, victory, things are great. And then uh, why did Joab not want Ahimez to go to David? Right, so there's, there's concern over who tells David what and when, right? Because David's eventually going to find out. Uh, but eventually, and we're going to really fast forward here, uh, 29 through 33, the news reaches David. 
the Cushite said, there is good news, my Lord, my Lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. Then verse 32, for, for the second time, uh, the king says, uh, is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite said, may the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all who rise against you to do harm be like that young man. Parentheses, he's dead, right? And how, and then one of the, one of the, I mean, almost brings you to tears to read verse 33. At least it just strikes me as a very somber passage. What does David say? He says, Absalom, oh Absalom. If only I had died instead in your place. Uh, so he was very, very sad about this. The Bible does not tell us um, or shed light on David's thinking. But I wonder as, as David is in tears and in mourning, does he think about chapter 11? You know, at some point he, he has to. We know from the Psalms, Psalm 3 is one that we're not going to have the time to go and read tonight. But Psalm 3 seems to fit nicely into this um, narrative. We've talked about Psalm 51 repeatedly. Uh, we know that David does mourn not just for the loss of life of his children, because now we're talking plural, but he also mourns for his own sin. And that's something to be appreciated. Got two minutes left here for two big, usually I have three, but I've got just two tonight. A person's character and reputation really matter, always. Because we've used the word character or reputation half a dozen times, maybe more tonight. And then the second thing is that the results of our sins may take time to come to fruition. But going back to that Old Testament passage from Numbers, our sins will always find us out. Anything else in the final literally 15 seconds that you've got? Otherwise, we're going to wrap up there. All right. Thank you all very much. Uh, Go ahead and read chapters 19, uh, 20. Go ahead and read through 21 for next week. We may not get through all that text, but appreciate your time so much tonight.